Welcome to Strictly Jojo, a podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. My name is Courtney. This is episode 57, and we're reviewing part six, Stone Ocean, Kiss of Love and Revenge, part two. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the Jojo anime. Part six, part two of part six, part two of the first arc of part two of part six. Part That's two, what part this two, is. Part two, part two, part <laughs> two. Very confusing. Um, we do have a localized name for this episode. It's Smack of Love and Revenge part two. But uh, yeah, it's Kiss. It even says it on the stand. It's Kiss. Mm-hmm. But before we jump into today's episode, we have a very special shout out to our newest patron, Kayla. Woohoo! Yeah, and I know that Kayla is actually a huge JoJo fan. Yes, diehard so JoJo fan. Perfect time for us to say thank you, Kayla, for your support. It indeed helps in taking our podcasting sport to the max. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, Kayla, so much for your support. We very much appreciate it, and we love that you love JoJo as much as we do. And if any of you guys listening would like to support the show as well and get access to things like our bonus episodes, our pre-show, our show schedules, even ask us questions that we'll answer on Strictly JoJo about all things JoJo, head over to patreon.com slash series. And in the world of Spotify, we are still trying to reach our goal of 50 ratings on Spotify for Strictly JoJo. I think as of today, we're at 44. Is that right? Yes, 44. So we need six more Joestar ratings. I, I felt the hesitation there, the, the mental math. <laughs> six plus four. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we need six more ratings to reach our goal of 50 ratings on Spotify. So if you're listening to us right now on Spotify, on the Android or Mobile, Android or mobile, Android or iOS mobile app, um, and you haven't left us a rating before, all you have to do is go to the Strictly Jojo page on Spotify, look for the little star, tap that, leave us a rating, and that's it. Super easy, and it helps us out a ton. So yeah, we're very close to reaching 50, and thank you so much to everyone who's already left us a rating on Spotify. We very much appreciate it. And now on to Jojo news. There is none, <laughs> but <laughs> at least for... Our personal lives, we both got our shipments of, of JoJo merch. On my end, I finally got my Jolene, what is this, Bampresto Grandista figure, which I've been waiting for nearly a year now. It says my order date was August 4th, 2021. Oh my God. So yeah, it's been well over a year, but it's finally in my hands. I, I took it out of the box and it is on display alongside Jotaro. So daddy and daughter are together on my shelf for now. <laughs> and I received the same figure, but in the limited limited edition colors with Jolene's hair as pink and whatnot. I think um, some of the manga colors, which came as a bundle through the collector's edition of All-Star Battle R. So yes, my game finally arrived. Um, everyone who pre-ordered it elsewhere got to play it on Friday or Saturday whenever it released. Mm -hmm. My order came straight from Bandai Namco for that collector's bundle, but it didn't arrive until several days later. But it is here now. I haven't had a chance to play the game just yet, so I'll report back in once I have played a little bit of it and gotten a feel for All-Star Battle R. But the figure is awesome it looks great and i'm not going to take it out of the box because i'm too scared yeah i guess 
the other figure that I would love to see is of part six Jotaro, which I think in Japan, you know how like they have the, not like the, the gacha machines, but they have raffles where you can pick out like a, a card and then it'll show you if you've won a figure. And yeah. I think they have a line that includes the other characters from part six, like Jotaro, uh, Foo Fighters, Hermes. I don't remember the line or the exact lineup, but I would love to see that imported into the States or be up for pre-order on a lot of the websites that I that I peruse for anime merch. And I actually, I did find the figures. Uh, it's from the Ichiban Kuji line. And it says that they're coming in March 2022. But I haven't seen these anywhere on, again, the Western anime merch sites. It's Jolene, Hermes, Foo Fighters, and then Jotaro in his purple jacket and his snakeskin pants Send and me boots. a link. I want to see it. We'll also post a link in the Discord so that uh, everyone else can see it as well. Yeah, maybe this is on like those third-party websites that sell directly from Japan um, because they probably haven't worked on importing it yet to the States. But yeah, I would love to get uh, get my hands on that Jotaro. Yeah, it's a really nice one. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a decent amount of part six Jotaro's available. But interestingly, one of my favorite versions of Jotaro is the part four version. And I don't know why, but there's literally two figures that I know um, that exist for that Jotaro. One is a super action figure, um, or like the posable ones that you see pretty often in Jojo. And I personally, I I have several of them and I love them, but they're not um, the ones I gravitate toward. I prefer figures that are not posable, that just have a particular pose. Like I guess you could call them statues. In yeah, comparison. sure. Well, it's called well, the actual line's called Super Action Statue. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're like the the non-posable ones are the ones that I prefer. I do know of one non-posable part for Jotaro, but the face looks kind of weird. Like it's a cool-looking figure, but his face looks a bit odd, so I've never tried to track it down or buy it. So I'm just surprised that, you know, even though he plays a pretty pivotal part in part 4, that he only has two figures that I know of anyway um for that outfit but hopefully that's not the case with part six i think his role in part six is even more pivotal than it is in part four Mm -hmm. so i would i would hope we would see more part six jotaro figures and i will say his part six drip is a lot more fashionable than what he wears in part four uh, he has snakeskin boot pants. Yeah. Whereas part <laughs> part four, he, he looks like a marine biologist because he's all in white. Because so. he's studying, you know. <laughs> Again, he's got to yeah. he's got to play the the part. I guess he um he ties or relates a uh, snakeskin boot pants outfit to being a father. Yeah, and there's more pizzazz in that. <laughs> he's got to impress his daughter, right? Like she's got amazing drip. He's got to have amazing drip as well. All right, so let's jump into today's episode, which is the second half of Hermes's arc, the uh, the arc that shares a lot about who she is in a, as a person and her background. It is Kiss of Love and Revenge Part 2. What were your 
first thoughts on the second half because it kind of left us at a very uh, intense cliffhanger in the previous episode with an alligator, an invisible alligator or crocodile about to attack Jolene. Um, and then it kind of just throws us right into that in this next episode. Like how, how did that pan out for you? I mean, overall, it's just a, a wrap up on the revenge story. <laughs> like that, that's it. <laughs> it not to not to downplay any of the stuff that happens in in the episode, uh, but I think in that sense it's it's pretty straightforward what happens here. Like you know, there's the cliffhanger, and then Hermes wraps up her beef with Sportmax, and she does seem very hell bent in her grudge against the enemy stand user, and so throughout this episode it leaves us wondering if her revenge or her her seeking revenge is going to consume her like it almost did with Polnareff. But we know in the end that's not the case. And I feel like we get some slight homages to The Sixth Sense, the M. Night Shyamalan movie with Bruce Willis. And we find out like what exactly happened to Sportmax after Aramis stuffed him in the pipe. And we see more of his abilities play out, which like I... I I'll probably talk about this later, but I wasn't too fond of Sportmax as an enemy stand user. But yeah, what he were was your like thoughts? he was all right. Um, like he didn't do much himself. Um, his stand definitely posed a threat, but it almost felt like an auto stand. Like it just did its own thing. It just mm-hmm. took care of shit, um, so that you know she wouldn't. Uh, so he wouldn't have to. But I have so many questions. Like, honestly, I have so many questions about Sports Max and his stand and what the fuck is going on here with Limp Biscuit. So we'll, we'll certainly dive into all of that. But overall, I, I feel like it was a nice, clean two-episode arc. I know there were mm-hmm. other times, especially in part one of part six, the first core of Stone Ocean, I got to get used to saying that, um, that we felt like there were weird transitions in the middle of the episode where you kind of had a conclusion to like a, a an immediate problem and then it just kind of transitioned you half, halfway through the episode to like another situation. But here it's like a nice clean two full episodes where at the end of this episode we have the resolution right into what's next for Jolene. Yeah, so it lines up exactly where uh, we left Jolene in the first episode because this whole arc basically plays like a flashback. But yeah, the story doesn't stop, which is a nice thing. Like, there's never, at least moving forward, there's never another time where where things cut back and forth, save for, like, the flashbacks with Dio and Poochie, of course. But, yeah, that's one thing that I really loved about this part six, or second core part six, is that the story just keeps moving forward. All right, JoJo fans, it's time to bring out your undead as we dive into our synopsis and discussion for... Part 6, Episode 14, Kiss of Love and Revenge, Part 2. Foo Fighters gets the trio out of their Cayman conundrum by shoving her literal handgun in the ghostly gator's mouth and turning its undead brain into jambalaya. They soon discover that Sport Max pulled a Shawshank Redemption and crawled his undead ass out of the sewage pipe to lure the partial prison posse away from Dio's boner. As part of his plan, Sport Max creates his own army of walking dead in the prison mausoleum to exact revenge on Hermes for causing his haunted pipe dream. However, the cutthroat Costello stays ahead, literally, of her sister's killer, as she uses Kiss's duplicative abilities to locate Sport Max's concealed carcass. He ends his undead life by becoming Hermes's invisible punching bag, 
until the ghost of Gloria past ascends to the heavens, causing Hermes to collapse in a Costello clump. After pirating the content on Sportmax's discs, Jolene is detained and scapegoated for causing the mausoleum mayhem, bringing us back to the present-day Jolene as she eagerly awaits to execute Operation Bonerbreaker at Ultra Security Weenie Hut Juniors. And now onto our next segment of the show, a Music and or Fashion Reference, where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and or fashion. But... There are no new ones for this episode. We've already talked about Sportmax and about his stand, Limp Biscuit previously. We also talked about Gloria, so nothing new mentioned here, which makes sense. It's just the conclusion of this arc. So, Well, now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown, where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. And I don't know if there are any. I don't think there are any. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe the whole, like, dude's ass hanging up in the air is going to be a meme at some point. I think it should be, but uh, none that I'm aware of at this point. But as always, if we missed any, please reach out and let us know. So I do want to preface this by saying that um, this whole arc with Sportsmax and Limp Biscuit was pretty confusing to follow in anime form. Sometimes I was like, what is happening with these animals? Because you don't actually see them until Jolene, you know, splatters blood all over the the crocodile or the alligator, for example. Imagine how confusing this was reading the manga version of this. I I don't remember much, but I remember being incredibly confused and just like very quickly whipping through this whole part because I could not tell what was going on because everything was invisible and I was just confused. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me that there's like a meme I saw. I can't find it anymore of like the um, Dragon Ball Z characters that look like they're about to enter Super Saiyan form and just concentrating a lot. And it says like manga readers when they have to imagine the action. And so that that's kind of what plays in my head whenever we talk about sequences in, in anime that like they, they make, or like it, it takes a while for them to make sense. But like watching this the second time through, I, I could see how we went from point A to point B and and Foo Fighters ultimately stopping the invisible gator. Yeah, I think watching it again definitely helped a lot. I had a better sense of what was going on. I got my bearings um, on the second rewatch. Uh, and I, I did feel like the alligator part ended really quickly after the big, like, the big drama that we experienced in the last episode. I felt like the 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 animals were, were like almost half of last episode. And then mm-hmm. here, within a few minutes, it was all kind of concluded. Which, you know, it's fine. Like that that uh, cliffhanger leaves us wanting more. But it, it is always kind of like, oh, okay, when they can just fix the problem so quickly after the new episode starts. But throughout that entire struggle with the uh, invisible crocodile, I kept thinking to myself, Hermes has insane grip strength because she has been hanging from the ceiling with one arm for so fucking long. I don't know if Kiss was like helping her because you know how sometimes Star Platinum will help Jotaro with like jumping long distances or like Mm -hmm. hanging on to something. Maybe that's what was going on, but I didn't see Kiss. So I don't know. Maybe Hermes is like really, really strong. Well, she's a hardened prisoner. I'm sure she's (laughs) had to build up some muscle while locked within the prison walls. That's true. 
All of the Dobros are pretty fucking ripped. <laughs> um, and then apparently these invisible creatures can walk on walls because then the alligator or crocodile, what, whichever one it's supposed to be. It's an alligator. I thought we t- talked about this last time. <laughs> but didn't they say crocodile in the last episode or am I just remembering wrong? I thought they said alligator. Oh, wait, which one's the more aggressive one? Maybe it was alligator, alligator, alligator. Yeah, because I, we talked about this previously that uh the, the the University of Florida team they they call them the Florida Gators and so i would think it that's the more familiar reptile in that state but then i thought i looked up that crocodiles are more often more aggressive than alligators because i thought in the the last episode somebody said crocodile and then here, Foo Fighters is like the alligator ghost. So that's why I was confused. I don't know. Whichever one it's supposed to be, it's one of the two. <laughs> they're probably using it interchangeably, even though there is a distinction between both. I think there's something about the snout, too. That's how you can differentiate. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure um, any sort of like animal enthusiast is like, bro, <laughs> there's a distinct difference. You can't just use them interchangeably. But anyway, it's one of the two for our purposes. And Foo Fighters shoots it from the inside when it has her hand in its mouth and quickly disposes of it. And that leads us into the last part with Sports Max, which is the a significant part of the episode, but it kind of lets us see the, the conclusion of this revenge story. And so throughout this Sports Max part of the episode, I'm confused quite often because I keep wondering, is Limp Biscuit an auto stand? Otherwise, how could it possibly keep working after Sportsmax died and use use that own stand ability on the stand user? Does that make sense? Because in the middle of this alligator fight, crocodile fight, whichever one it is, Sportsmax somehow gets out of the pipe while they're not paying attention. So if he's getting out of the pipe, but he's technically died at that point, why didn't the alligator or crocodile stop attacking them at that point? Yeah, you bring up a good question. <laughs> like, <laughs> the question I had before this was like, how was the alligator so silent up until the moment it bites Jolene's shoulder? Because, you know, it's crawling on the wall. You you probably hear that, but... That aside, it does growl in her ear, and that's yeah. how she kind of knows it's right there. But you would think it would make noise, like stepping across the wall to get to her. But anyways, um, yeah, it's it's weird because unless at the point of sports max, is it sport max? Sports max. Okay, <laughs> had this conversation. I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, up until the point of sports max's death maybe the stand kicked in its ability to save its user. But yeah, what would determine what would determine Sportsmax from being officially dead for it to stop working? Yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's confusing because it feels like an auto stand because we don't ever see him creating the invisible animals or like directing them or like you know what i mean like controlling them they just kind of are there and they just automatically attack the joe bros because they're zombies and they're you know hungry for flesh or whatever okay wait i'm on the jojo fandom wiki it says here when sports max activates limp biscuit all corpses nearby generate invisible wraiths including sports max himself should he die so i think last episode remember he 
did that like enchantment or he recited that thing yeah. to bring Limp Biscuit's abilities to fruition. So I think since that was active at the time of his death, the stand inadvertently made him uh, one of those wraiths itself. But then again, like stands die when stand users die, not all of them. Um, but that's the idea, right? You kill the stand user, you stop the stand. So I'm confused as to why the that stand would continue to function past the moment of his death. Even if the enchantment has started, shouldn't technically that enchantment end once Sportsmax has died? Or again, is it an auto stand where it can, can it can continue to function without him? Because if you think about fucking um, Yo-Yo Ma, right? Yo-Yo Ma is an auto stand, but once, mm. right? Is it Yo-Yo Ma? Or is that the stand user? No, it's... No, Dolce & Gabbana is a stand user. So once yeah. Dolce & Gabbana dies, Yo-Yo Ma disappears off the boat where Anasui and Jolene are, right? I think so. But then you have the fucking Rolling Stone, right, from part five that goes after Bucerati and... Right, I don't know if it's Rolling Stone. Was it Rolling Stone? But either way, right? Like yeah. that's an auto stand that functions even without a user. And I think same thing with um, Notorious B.I.G. from Part Five when it goes after Trish. It doesn't have a user anymore. The user died, but it continues to attack. So that's so why I'm like, I just need clarity. I'm like, is it is it one of those types or or what? Because once Sportsmax's ghost is destroyed, then it's presumed that the the stand stops. But is that just because the disc is ejected? Or just because the stand technically dies with the stand user. <laughs> like I, my my brain is going five <laughs> different directions trying to figure this. You're out. like the meme with I, the lady in the math equation, yeah. zooming around her head. Maybe it's an auto stand. I, I'd like to think it's the caveat of the stand's power being activated still at the time of Sports Max's death. So it it there's that kind of loophole there until Hermes finally finishes Sports Max once and for all in its in his undead form, which is still the true form of the stand user. True. Right. But then another question for you. Ready for this? No. <laughs> <laughs> the discs are inserted into a physical body. Yes. Physically into Sports Max's body. Jolene and um Hermes acquire those discs. But how? Did they acquire them by getting Sportsmax's body out of the pipe and pulling them out? Or did they acquire them through his ghost form, which would not make sense to me because it's not a physical body. A rocky fucking forgot. <laughs> That's what the answer is. <laughs> no, the answer you're, to you're absolutely right. Like the, yeah, the, the discs would still be in his body, which is still stuck in the sewer. Yes. So yeah, <laughs> that's a caveat, or not a caveat, but uh, an oversight, I, I would say. But his body should also be like torn to shreds because when Hermes beats the shit out of him later, that would technically beat the shit out of his own body. Just the same way mm -hmm. that like Foo Fighters shot the alligator crocodile and then you see that stuffed animal, yeah, literal animal, like start to come to pee or uh, tear to pieces i feel like that would be the same thing with sports max's body so good luck finding that shit in the pipe when it's all torn up yeah but yeah the, the disc thing doesn't make sense because it the disc wouldn't exist in a an apparition it would have to be from the body itself right 
Yeah, so I I don't know what the fuck is going on. Okay, here. it doesn't That's matter why this if it's confuses me. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's manga or anime. This this shit is still confusing. <laughs> if anyone listening has any insight, um, maybe Araki clarified it in an interview that we just haven't come across, or you have more familiarity with how Limp Biscuit works, please reach out to us. Let us know. Um, we'd love to hear it, and we'd be happy to to give you a shout out on the podcast and share the information you shared with us because this is one that I really am rattling my brain around and i'm having a hard time rationalizing what is going on here but regardless it's still a fun fight that um kind of left me with a, a very uh surprised way of you know overcoming limp biscuit which we'll talk about but moving on from the alligator crocodile once everything's all fine and dandy my favorite part of this episode is when foo fighters slaps jolene's piece of shoulder back into place She's like, oh, I think this is your shoulder, and just slaps it right back on. And Jolene's face is like, what the fuck? And she kind of winces, but also looks at her in disgust. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> That's because, you know, Foo Fighters doesn't pick up on, like, like common human things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have Sports Max, uh, I don't know, making his way out of the pipe. The guy's struggling. He comes across a woman whose name he cannot remember and just decides to call her bitch. And I'm like, oh my God, what she the fuck? Of, yeah, she looks like a pebbles from the Flintstones. Oh and God, maybe, she does. <laughs> and maybe that's intentional uh, if, if Rocky put that in as a reference to so maybe Araki really doesn't like pebbles from the Flintstones and she's a <laughs> <Yes>. bitch. <laughs> um I had a question with this scene, but maybe it's it's just in terms of um art direction and uh, d- guiding the audience the right way. So we see Sports Max in full flesh and in his colored purple colored suit, right? He's crawling out of the sewer. He makes his way over to that area of the prison where he sees the bitch type or whatever he calls the bitch type. <laughs> um, but he's dead at this point, right? Yeah. So why are we seeing him in, in full body and color? I think it was a, a strategic decision to leave the audience in suspense until it's pretty much confirmed. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. everything that happens between this woman, this unconscious dude and sports max wouldn't even be anywhere near as funny or like, interesting because you'd already know well he's dead like i get why all this is happening he's dead like it is what it is you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. the reaction would be subdued if there wasn't that question of oh could he be dead are they trying to tell us that he's dead what's happening here yeah and i can kind of see this as uh, again this feels like uh, an homage to uh, m night Shyamalan's movie the sixth sense which spoiler alert the main character is not alive. I know that that movie's <laughs> been out for years. I think Jolene spoils it in this manga or in this this anime. Right? Yes, and we'll actually get when we get to that episode. I do have um, some trivia about that, but yeah, like in the true fashion of that movie, a lot of the thing, like the things that the woman says, and like Sports Max's interactions with the people around him. Like it, it still plays up to the same effect where it could work either way. Like they are purposely not acknowledging him, or like he doesn't know that he's died. So I, I thought that was that was very interesting. I think the whole exchange between not even exchange, but just the scene between Sports Max and these other people is pretty uh 
pretty fucking funny. I'm not going to lie. Like he he calls this woman a bitch and then touches her. But then she thinks that some innocent dude next to her is the one that touched her. So she freaks out on him. And then Sportsmax knees him in the stomach. But in her viewpoint, it looks like Patrick from SpongeBob when he beats himself up um, outside the salty Splatoon, right? Is that the episode? Yeah, the salty Splatoon episode. Wait, spl- oh, why did I say Splatoon? Splatoon. <laughs> yeah, not not the Nintendo game. Splatoon. <laughs> I was like struggling with that. I'm like, wait, what's the word? Um, so yeah, that reminds me of that episode. And she's freaking out. And then he drags his body over to, I think, the cemetery area. The mausoleum. Yeah. And um, proceeds to take off his pants and then like lift his whole ass in the air. And I'm like, why is he checking his butthole for drugs or something? Why did he feel the need to lift his legs up in the air? And she's like freaking out the whole time. She's like, oh, I don't do that freaky shit, man. I just I'm here for the regular stuff. (laughs) And then he finds the guy's drugs and then injects those drugs into his own body, which is then the the point where he realizes he's no longer alive because it starts to spew sewage out of his veins. Was he doing all of that just to test if he was alive? No, he was saying he was stressed out because of all the shit that Air Mass had put him through. So he's like, I need to relax. I need something to drink. So that's why he was telling that woman, like, hey, go get me something to drink at the cafe, and then we'll do something, you know, naughty afterwards. He's trying to, like, vent his frustrations. And then the drugs are part of that. Uh, But because he's – my understanding is he's putting the drugs in his veins, which is then pushing out the sewage – like the the sewage or the shitty water that's in his body. Okay. It's just weird because – I know that he had that directive from Poochie or, or White Snake to go after Dio's bone. And like I think we learn in the next episode exactly why it's Sports Mask. Sports Mask. Sports Max that is tasked with this. Um and just to kind of say here, it's because with Sports Max's ability, there's a potential that Limp Biscuit can revive Dio through interacting with the bone but then i think the bone disappears at some point and and goes off on its own so it's just weird that he has this excursion when i'm sure poochie wants him to stay on track but do you think that limp biscuit could actually revive full dio i thought it just revives like the image of what the corpse is so wouldn't it just revive a bone yeah be a second bone (laughs) that's probably why it wasn't successful and that's what sports max explains to poochie in the next episode okay that makes sense at least that makes sense about Mm -hmm. limp biscuit (laughs) um okay so then in the mausoleum um sports max attacks bitch and bitch goes down for the count he starts feasting on her um and I then am confused again because of like the whole disc thing because Jolene keeps saying we have to get the disc from Sports Max. We can read his memories. But again, he's a ghost zombie. And so I don't know how they actually get the, the discs back. They don't clarify it. Um, but the the reason this, this was important for me in this scene is that seeing Jolene grab the um, the silhouette using her strings thinking that it's sports max and it actually ends up being the woman as a zombie um when she punches it her body on the floor starts to like convulse and like blood spews out Mm -hmm. so again it's like this proves that the corpse still needs to be in existence for the ghost to exist 
And if um, Hermes beat the shit out of Sports Max towards the end of this episode, how are they going to find his body anymore? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like yeah. all these questions keep popping up because I see these these inconsistencies with Sports Max versus every other corpse that he's controlling. And speaking of the thing that is controlling these corpses, which is Limp Biscuit, we have the eye catch for the stand stats for Limp Biscuit at the commercial break. And so this one's interesting because it says that destructive power is none, but speed is B, range is B, durability is A, precision and accuracy is C, and development potential is E. The destructive power thing, is that just dependent on the wraith or the vessel that sports max controls no i think it's like the stand itself has no destructive power but it can uh, activate other corpses right. um it's also interesting here that the image they use is sports max covered in blood and you just see kind of his silhouette which leads me to believe we have no clue what limp biscuit actually looks like yeah there's no physical manifestation of the stand kind of like going back to part three you have the orangutan uh, forever that stand strength. Like the, the boat itself, I think, they said the boat itself is the stand, but that's not the actual appearance of the stand. Yeah, I doubt a boat would make sense because once he hits land, what's he going to do, drag a boat around? Mm -hmm. <laughs> or later on in part three, there's Oingo's stand, Knum. I think that's one of the Egyptian deities. It's not a physical stand itself. I think it's just it gives Oingo the ability to shapeshift his face, right? Yeah. And maybe it's a situation where we don't really need to see his stand. Like it just it just is what it is. Like what maybe it makes sense that these corpses are invisible, these zombies are invisible, so the stand itself is also invisible. That's just my my rationale rationale there um but when we return from the commercial break um and i think really throughout this this whole fight with sports max jolene is trying to convince hermes they need to put their goals on hold both finding the disc and getting revenge but hermes tells her that revenge is key right now because not only is it important to her um to avenge gloria but also because sports max is like hermes and wants revenge against hermes for drowning him so she knows that if she plays into that revenge if she baits him, it'll secure her opportunity to stop him because he'll make himself known in some way, shape, or form. So it's fighting revenge with revenge. And I love what she says here. It's like, revenge is the way to settle the score with my fate. Because I think any, like, it takes a certain kind of person to learn how to overcome an urge for vengeance. But in this case, it, it's, it's almost like a special circumstance for Hermes because we saw that the legal system had failed, failed Gloria in giving Sportsmax a light sentence. And so that's what triggers Hermes to answer back in this sort of anti-hero-like fashion in getting true justice for her sister. And what's nice is that she gets her revenge in the end, but Sportsmax doesn't. Yeah. Even though his revenge is like a short time frame compared to hers, which is years and years and years, he never gets to taste, you know, that that success. He never gets to taste that victory. He'll, you know, he'll forever regret what he did. Um, actually, he probably won't regret what he did, but he'll always be sour about not being able to get his revenge on Hermes. 
And with this whole fight, I was genuinely clueless as to how she defeats Sportsmax. Um, but she uses her sticker to get her body parts out of his ghost body and is able to locate him in that way. And then somehow <laughs> places a sticker on his head and uses the fusion as almost like a, what's that game, that kid's game with like the board and they have a little red ball? Paddle ball? Paddle ball. Yeah. I put paddle board and I'm like, paddle boarding is different. I couldn't remember no. the word. Paddle ball. Yes. Words are difficult today. Um, but yeah, he uses it almost like a paddle ball, like kind of bouncing his head back and forth between punching him, which sends him outward, and then the sticker removal, which drags his head back inward. And I thought that was pretty clever. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't think about that. Because you always see Hermes rip her stickers off of different items or body parts, and you always see those. Uh, the duplicate items come back together as one. Mm -hmm. But that's a great thought. Like, what if she forces it back the other direction? Is it just an infinite back and forth until she stops? And then that just makes for a more destructive reunion between Sportsmax's duplicate head and his real head. And that's what leads to his demise, which makes you think because Hermes had duplicated her own head just the physical toll that her own body is taking by subjecting herself to that kind of punishment. Yeah, and before she passes out, you do see like a split starting at the top of her head, mm -hmm. kind of running down like the right side of her face where the sticker was, um, and like all the way down to her chin. So it, you do see damage that she took from making that decision. But it was a smart decision and it got her the revenge in the end. And after the credits, we do get a rare post-credit scene where we come full circle to present day. And Jolene confirms that she's read Sports Max's memory disc and she knows that she needs to go to Ultra Security Unit House. Is that what it is? Or House e Unit? Ultra Security House Unit. Okay. I will, I will never remember that. That's a very convoluted title. Um, and intentionally get, lets herself get caught to, I think, one, maybe protect Hermes from getting in trouble about like the dead girl's body. And then also um, to put herself in a place where she can hopefully get access to Dio's bone. One quick question. Did we see the naked dude, the guy who passed out in the mausoleum? We get confirmation that the girl dies, but what happens to the, the unconscious dude? Oh, yeah. I didn't see his body. <laughs> they probably just ignored his and just saw the the female body maybe he woke up and was like what the fuck's happening and then ran to the corner and just oh yeah is safe. he actually <laughs> dead or he or was he dead or he unconscious was, he was unconscious because sports max need him in the stomach and then he passed out and then he dragged mm. his body unless that that stomach hit was enough to kill the guy i don't know two things that i, I wanted to bring up um before we wrap up is the when uh when Hermes starts pummeling the shit out of uh, Sports Max. You know how she was saying, like, take this and this. Or was it take that and that? It just reminded me of SpongeBob where it's like this and that and this and that. Because, oh. <laughs> like, she was just pouring her all into getting rid of her, her sister's killer. And it's, I wouldn't say it rivals, like, Giorno's seven page Muda, but coupled with the intensity of the music that plays and again just feeling her emotion in that moment uh you can kind of feel you can feel every punch that that gets pummeled into sports max it might not be as epic as the seven page muda but i think it's it's got the same energy yeah and then the another thing that, that kind of reminds me of part five 
is when the ghost of Gloria appears out of nowhere. What did you think of that? I thought it was nice. I thought it was like, you know, that that closure that Hermes needed. It's Gloria giving her sister a hug, saying, it's all okay now. Thank you for getting revenge. I still love you. I still care about you, right? Like, it's a very brief moment, but it's such an important moment for Hermes. Whether she realizes it or not, um, I think it's incredibly important. It gave me, like, <laughs> this is spoiling part five, but... If, hey, if you're a JoJo all fan, spoilers are allowed yeah, here. <laughs> if you're a JoJo fan, you should have already watched part five before <laughs> watching part six. But basically, when Bucerati ascends to heaven, right? Because he's kind of clothed in gold colors as well. I think all of them are. After, mm. um, I think starting in part five, it seems to be the trend, right? Yeah, yeah. Later on, everyone in this dying part. <laughs> in part five is is all uh, heavenly and whatnot, mm-hmm. and then in this part, yeah, you're right. It's the same thing. Yeah, I guess it, it's just odd that you know Gloria would just show up in that moment. I don't know if it's Sports Max holding on to like the souls of all the the dead people that he's he's uh, killed off. Maybe, but, or maybe it's signifying that she can finally rest in peace because mm. you know Sports Max is now dead. Yeah, I, I guess I thought it was like that would be like if Polnareff suddenly saw his sister after killing Jay Guile. I kind of wish he did because <laughs> the next time he sees his sister is that fucking genie like stand who pretends to bring his sister back from the dead, but then makes her into like this rabid zombie thing. That was and it right before him. he he reunites with Abdul. Right? Yeah, yeah, but okay. it made me so sad. I'm like, that's his last memory <laughs> of his sister. That's mm, terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess this makes it. A more wholesome closure for Hermes. And that brings us to our final thoughts for Part 6, Episode 14, Kiss of Love and Revenge, Part 2. So, did this episode leave you feeling undead inside? Uh, undead inside? It's a dumb question. <laughs> I'm wondering if this feeling... is like a, a play on, like a, if I say yes, that it'll backfire then on me. Then you felt alive. <laughs> I, um... It made me feel very satisfied and happy for Hermes. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I think it was uh, a great way to round out, in a full way, round out Hermes's uh, two-episode arc, gave us um, another glimpse into the person that she is and why it's such a good thing that she's on Jolene's side because she's such a dedicated individual, especially when it comes to her own family. She went above and beyond to get the revenge that she wanted for her sister who was murdered. And I think that um, while Limp Biscuit is really fucking confusing, I still really enjoyed this fight because, again, I had no clue how Araki was going to get Hermes to overcome the situation. And I find that to be a trend in part six. Um, it's probably the same in a lot of other parts, but for some reason it's sticking out to me more so with part six uh, in this this second core. That There's a lot of these fights where I'm like, how are they going to defeat this stand or this mm-hmm. stand user even though again i have read the manga i don't remember what what happens so i keep sitting back and i'm like how are they gonna overcome this and i love that it's so it's so uh mysterious it's so confusing but then the the way that they do overcome a certain enemy is incredibly satisfying even if it is really goofy or really out there it still feels really satisfying so yeah i would say this was definitely one of those fights but what about you I would say this episode was the right amount of closure. It's definitely a powerful episode for Hermes as she heals a traumatic wound in her life with the tool of vengeance. 
And here, revenge is a dish best served undead. Um, although, I, you know, this fight causes Hermes to be taken out of the game for the rest of the second core of Stone Ocean, I think there is a bit of solace in knowing that Hermes comes back reinvigorated and ready to help Jolene in her mission to save Jotaro instead of wallowing in this sort of self-pity after completing her vendetta against Sportsmax. Because I think that can be the case for a lot of characters who are just consumed by revenge. But Hermes has a has a good head on her shoulders, even though her head right now is split in two. Um, in terms of Sportmax, Sportsmax, he was a formidable foe to serve as the antagonist of this two-episode arc. But I think just this worn-out idea of using the undead as an obstacle against the protagonist in this arc, uh, it, it felt a little uninteresting to me, but I think that's because of a recency bias on my part since I've just been slowly desensitized to zombie media over the years. But I, as you were saying, learning that Kiss's duplicating ability was clever enough to circumvent this undead ability was very satisfying to to see come to fruition. So in that regard, it's always a treat seeing JoJo one-upsmanship on full display, especially in this episode. So all in all, it was a pretty straightforward cleanup episode right before we dig into the meat of the mission, no zombie pun intended, that drives the second core of Stone Ocean. Yeah, I think we're going to get into some really intense moments and some really good episodes from here on out. Like I mentioned in the previous podcast episode, I feel like these first two episodes and the last one or two episodes um, are kind of like a, a bit of a lull, not in a bad way, but a bit of a, a lull in terms of like Jolene's main story. Um, so it kind of starts off slow, ramps up for most of the second core, and then slows down a little bit again when uh, Jolene and Emporio are dealing with their memory memory loss. So it's nice to kind of jump into, you know, from this arc into something really intense moving forward, which also includes pretty soon Anasui joining the fold. Mm -hmm. I can't mm -hmm. wait. Holy shit. <laughs> but thank you everyone for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this episode review and we can't wait to talk about more JoJo with you. Subscribe to Strictly JoJo on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show like our awesome patron Kayla, then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series and tune into Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. To be continued.